It's hard to overstate just how significant Pope Francis's visit to Iraq really was, nor how unbelievable it is that it actually went ahead. Iraq, despite the best efforts of security forces, is not stable. Just days before the Pope arrived on March 5th, a US civilian contractor was killed in a rocket attack, likely perpetrated by an Iran-backed militia. Pope Francis's predecessor, Benedict XIV, said just days before the pontiff left the Vatican that the trip was dangerous. And yet it did go ahead. And it did so in the middle of a global pandemic. On Friday, March 5th, when the white-robe-clad 84-year-old leader of over a billion Catholics touched down in Baghdad, it was a very different Iraq on show than we usually see in the news. It was one of dancing, of singing, of grinning prime ministers, and of ululating. It was Iraq showing off its best side. This is Beyond the Headlines. I'm James Haynes-Young. And this week, we're looking at the highlights of Pope Francis's visit to Iraq, hearing from the Nationals' own correspondents stationed across the country, and asking what will be the legacy of these historic four days. Whilst it offered millions around the world a glimpse of what an Iraq at peace after nearly two decades of bloodshed might actually look like, the painful memories were in part what brought Pope Francis to Baghdad. Since 2003, when the US led an invasion to topple longtime dictator Saddam Hussein, the Christian community of Iraq has shrunk from around 1.5 million to between 300 and 400,000. The exact number is hard to count because there's little official data and no national census. But years of bloodshed, corruption, persecution, and then the forced displacement and murder at the hands of ISIS drove many away. Thousands picked up and left for Lebanon, for Jordan, and for other places in the region, but many more sought a new life in Europe and America. This was one of the draws bringing Pope Francis to Iraq, to shine a spotlight on their story, to meet with religious and political leaders in Iraq, and to urge those who have left to return home. His four days in Iraq were jam-packed and saw him flying all over the country. Pope Francis landed to great fanfare in Iraq on March 5th. He met with officials at the presidential palace before meeting with Christians and other religious officials at the Lady of Salvation Church in Baghdad. The next day, he travelled to Iraq's predominantly Shiite south to meet with one of the most revered figures in the sect, Grand Ayatollah Ali al-Sistani. It was the first meeting between the head of the Catholic Church and one of the top Shiite figures. He then gathered religious figures on the ruins of Ur, an ancient city dating back to 3800 BC that's thought to be the birthplace of Abraham. It was here he held an interfaith meeting. He then jetted back to Baghdad to hold a mass, becoming the first ever pontiff in history to lead a Chaldean service. The next day he flew north, met Kurdish officials, and in the shattered streets of Mosul, three years after the city was liberated from ISIS, he prayed for the victims of the war, before holding a service on the plains of Nineveh. In Erbil, more than 10,000 Christians gathered for an open-air service at the Franco-Hariri Stadium. 
he flew out again on March 8th, having left a lasting legacy in a country deeply scarred by war. Sinan Mahmoud is the Nationals correspondent in Baghdad. Sinan, I want to start by just getting a sense from you how it felt watching this historic moment for Iraq. As an Iraqi who has gone through all this, it is hard for me to find words to describe the feelings that I had during the past three days and even those leading up to this landmark visit. I can say that that I had a kind of mixed feelings. I felt happy and proud for seeing the Pope himself on the ground among the Iraqis just to show solidarity and pray for this land and its people. But it also brought me sadness and disappointment for where we are now and, and the opportunities we missed to live in peace. In my opinion, this visit is a defining moment for all of us that could bring some great benefits for the country and its people, mainly for the Christians and other minority groups. It was a far cry from the images of destruction that many associate with Iraq. The songs, the dancing and the beautiful shots of Baghdad. What do you think this will do for the image of your country? Indeed, what we saw during the three-day visits and even when the preparations began in different areas weeks ago was something different from what the whole world has been seeing since 2003 US-led invasion to this country. Since then, unfortunately, Blood and tragedies have been the main factors for the pictures coming out from Iraq. I can say now that the visits has showed the real face of Iraq, a land where its people love to have guests among them, express their love to life through singing, dancing, and cracking jokes. And most importantly, they love each other. As we saw, all Muslims were happy to see the Christians out in the streets, dancing and chanting while wearing their colorful traditional clothing. And even many of them, many of the Muslims, joined the Christians in the streets. The whole world also uh, saw how beautiful Baghdad is, uh, with its churches and mosques everywhere. For weeks before the visit, Sanan had been out speaking to Christians all over the country, asking them what Pope Francis's visit really meant and what the challenges their communities still face are. So, Sinan, what is the mood in the Christian community like today? Despite that the visit has refreshed some sad memories among Christians of the plights they have gone through since 2003, but they were cheerful, um, and for the first time I felt their strength through their eyes and words. They are feeling that they are not alone. They have hope now to continue, but some are still afraid that others could not understand the message the Pope delivered. Why was this visit just so important? I think the visit was very important for the Christians because it shed the light on the tragedies they have seen and asserted their presence as an important segment in the Iraqi society. What did you see on the streets as the Pope drove from Baghdad airport into the city? When the visit started on Friday, Baghdad was under full lockdown due to the second wave of COVID-19. But even though the security forces closed off the main streets and intersections and even entire neighborhoods that the pop motorcade drove through and allowed only for those with special permissions, like um, journalists, medical staff, employers of uh, service and security departments, and food suppliers, 
But the Thai security measures didn't prevent Baghdad residents, mainly the Christians, to gather in the streets to see the Pope and to welcome him. Even those who were not allowed to get into the churches as access given only um, to a limited number of persons to ensure social distancing, they stayed for hours following up with the events through live stream on their phones. This comes after years of decline for Iraq's Christian community. What have they endured over the last two decades? Like other minority groups in Iraq, Christians have suffered a lot since 2003. Amid the insurgency that unleashed after removing Saddam Hussein regime, they faced threats, kidnappings for ransom, and sometimes targeted killings from extremists from both sides, Sunnis and Shias, but mainly from Al-Qaeda in Iraq, uh, and then ISIS, who considered them as infidels. And uh, the houses and businesses of those who, who fled have since been taken illegally, uh, many by gangs who forge property papers. In October 2010, the community endured the deadliest attack uh, when Al-Qaeda branch in Iraq some of its militants broke into Our Lady of Salvation Church in Baghdad during a Sunday Mass, killing at least um, 58 people. And um, four years later, ISIS came and during its uh, onslaughts in mid-2014, ISIS militants confiscated their homes, burned churches, and forced them either to convert to Islam or pay a special tax. Then, more than 100,000 Christians fled Mosul and surrounding areas to the safe and more secure northern Kurdish region. Now, more than three years after declaring ISIS defeated, less than 50% of them have returned to their areas, uh, with many ended up in other countries, or are still afraid of going back, or their homes are still demolished. In 2014, ISIS charged over the borders from Syria, capturing Mosul and huge areas of Iraq. As the military seemingly collapsed overnight, despite trillions in US equipment, funding and training. In the scramble to defend Baghdad and Erbil from the onslaught, the government sanctioned popular mobilisation forces. These are paramilitary groups, and many of them are backed by Iran. Years later, these groups are stronger than ever. But in the three years occupying Mosul, ISIS killed destroyed and unraveled centuries of tolerance and cohesion. The group destroyed or desecrated churches, taxed the few Christians who stayed, killed and imprisoned others, and waged a genocide against the Yazidis and other minorities. And today, Mosul still lies in ruins. On March 7th, Pope Francis toured these same streets, met with the residents who were still there, or those who had returned to rebuild the city, and called for an end to religious violence. Sinan What was that moment like for Iraqis, watching the Pope walk through the streets of the city that until a few years ago had been occupied by ISIS? I think all Iraqis, mainly the Christians, felt a sense of victory when they saw the Pope in the cities and streets that were once under Daesh control. His presence in these areas also gave them hope, mainly for the residents of these areas, to rebuild their shattered lives, a hope that they completely lost in 2014, and uh, a hope that was hard to find when they returned to their areas after driving ISIS out. 
Gareth Brown usually reports for the National from Beirut, but four years ago he was with Kurdish forces in the nearby town of Karakosh when they retook the city and the church from ISIS. The partially burnt down religious building was as scarred as the town that was once home to Iraq's largest Christian community before the extremists drove almost everybody out. But that same church was full when people there welcomed Pope Francis for a prayer service. Gareth, tell us about the day that you saw the liberation of Karakosh. The whole town was decimated during the war against ISIS. That particular church, it was, um, you know, the, the group had attempted to set fire to it. All of the windows were smashed. Um, books had been burnt. I remember um, there's a there's a courtyard just to the side of it. And that courtyard had been used as a firing range by ISIS. I remember that really vividly because there were um, like shop front dolls lying on their sides, you know, covered in, in bullet wounds. Um, and inside the church, it was very, very dark. And there was ash and um, just rubble all over the floor. Um, but, you know, the priests kind of went in almost immediately and started, um, you know, sweeping things up and, I remember even that day there was a small service, a small prayer said um, the archbishop was there. Um, so almost immediately they tried to kind of start breathing life into this 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 Christian community. Um, so I briefly saw the inside of the church yesterday, and I'll be honest, I actually didn't recognise it. It was um, pristine. They've obviously done an amazing job kind of rebuilding it physically, which, um, you know, there's a lot of symbolism in that. And then to have the Pope, kind of praying in it and sitting there hearing the the testimony of people who suffered under ISIS was, you know, the final, well, not the final part, but it was another part in a very, very long journey for this particular Christian community in Iraq. There was lots of people there. I mean, there was thousands of people in this very small town. I've never seen it that busy before. So many people um, have have fled the country. So many Christians have, have fled Iraq. Um, and overwhelmingly, it was positive. You know, people didn't really want to speak about ISIS. They wanted to speak about the beginning of a, of a new chapter. Um, you know, it's nearly five years since ISIS had been forced out of that town. But actually, the ramifications of that that period continue to to kind of manifest themselves. And one of those is is Christians leaving Iraq for 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 Europe and and for Western other Western countries. And a lot of people said, you know, actually, I want to stay. I want to stay and I want to help rebuild towns like Karakosh. And maybe the Pope is 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 the inspiration and the impetus for that, for, for not for not migrating. Um, so there was, you know, there was this kind of newfound defiance, which which was definitely, you know, been harder to find before. And and, you know, people were just really happy. They were they were really, really ecstatic to have him there. And they felt like they were being listened to for once. So, you know, I, I really can't kind of understate how important it was for them just in terms of a, of a, of a pure kind of joy and, and happiness. That was the overriding sentiment. It was, it was like a carnival and people just wanted to in, enjoy the day and, and forget about any other problems they or, or the country or the wider community might have. What's the significance, do you think, of seeing this huge gathering of Iraqi Christians? It's the first papal visit to Iraq. So it's it's already significant, but you know the the Pope was very brave. His itinerary included places like Mosul and Karakosh, which many Western diplomats and foreign delegations wouldn't visit because they're too dangerous. Um, and then you add into that the other kind of political challenges that Iraq is facing. There were rocket attacks on Erbil Airport just last week. That's the same airport the, the Pope flew in and out of 
uh, yesterday. And then you have all the concerns about COVID-19 and the pandemic, which is really hurting Iraq. There were a thousand and one reasons to cancel the visit, but, but they kind of insisted on going ahead with it. And I think the Vatican really knew that this community and indeed the country at large needed this, this kind of shot, this uplift. It was almost like a, an injection of insulin. Um, and it's been felt, you know, beyond the Christian communities, but even, um, you know, the Shias and Sunnis and down in, in, in the south in Baghdad and then the Kurds, of course, who, you know, hosted um, the Pope for, Sunday, for, for a kind of Sunday mass yesterday evening. Um, everyone's felt uplifted. There's a renewed vigor and confidence. Yes, Iraq's got many problems that need to be dealt with. But knowing that they kind of have the Pope on side, I think, gives people a bit more grit to fight those battles um, and to work for the kind of reforms that the country desperately uh, needs. Pope Francis's message through many of his speeches was one of tolerance, acceptance, coexistence and of building understanding of and between the many sects and communities that make up Iraq. Such a richly diverse culture and religious fabric as this is, he said, is weakened by the loss of any of its members no matter how small. As with one of your intricately designed carpets, if one small thread is removed, it damages the entire carpet, the Pope said in Mosul. It is this message that made his meeting with Ayatollah Ali Sistani so significant. Al-Sistani is reclusive. He refuses to meet with prime ministers and presidents. He shuns the camera and is almost never seen in public. In the small alleyways of the city of Najaf, he lives in a plain rented home. The Nationals' Haider al-Husseini was in the South on March 6th when that meeting took place. Haider, who is Ayatollah Sistani and why was this meeting so significant? Grand Ayatollah Sistani is the highest Shia reference and he has millions of followers around the world. And he had, he had impacted political decisions and he had a, a high influence during the war against ISIS. Uh, pretty much everyone in Iraq respects him and uh, appreciates what he says. And meeting with a major leader such as the Pope is uh, really, really significant because two major spiritual leaders from different religions meeting in a country that had a, a war about religion for years it has a lot of positive impact to the people when they see those leaders meet and greet each other and spreading a peace and human message. What brought them together was their shared dedication towards social justice and helping the poor around the world and solving the conflict that, that is happening. What do you think all of this will mean going forward? In a country that was plagued by conflict, and uh, unfortunately this conflict was by religion, uh, them getting together and this meeting happening was really symbolic to, to take place in Najaf City in Iraq. And they both referred to the same message as living together in peace. Sistani said, you're one of you're of us, and we are of you. Referring to the Christians, and the Pope's visit was 
all about living together in peace and uh, removing violence out of the way. This meeting fits into the Pope's broader mission in recent years. In 2019, he visited the UAE, becoming the first Pope to travel to the Gulf. And there he met with the Grand Imam of the Al-Azhar, Dr. Ahmed Al-Tayeb, the most respected voice in Sunni Islam. The pair unveiled the Human Fraternity document, a blueprint for interfaith relations, a message of peace and of coexistence. Although Ayatollah Sistani did not sign the document during Pope Francis's visit, his message was very much in the same vein. He called for Iraq's Christians to be protected and safe, for all faiths to work together to improve the situation for the country's minorities, and for an end to religious violence. Haider, tell us about the Ur Interfaith Meeting. Being in Ur and watching the prayer and being a part of that event was really nice because you can hear the Bible reciting and then Quran reciting and you're in this really old place in this ancient city and civilization and the, the house of Abraham. It's so amazing and spiritual. And what do you think this will do? This will send a message to everywhere in the world to unite and uh, live together in peace, no matter the differences in religions. And to hold that in Iraq was a really, really step forward because uh, the country was devastated by violence that happened because of uh, religion conflict. A lot of Pope Francis's visit was a look at the recent past and an expression of hope for the days ahead. But Christians in Iraq face an uphill struggle today. Most of Iraq's Christians live, or until recently lived, in Baghdad, in and around Mosul, and on the plains of Nineveh in the north. When ISIS invaded, the Christian homes were taken, looted, demolished, and in many places given away. But it wasn't just ISIS. Remember the popular mobilisation forces? Within that broad umbrella of groups are many Iran-backed Shiite paramilitaries. Many of them refuse to leave the north, even though the fighting is largely done. They stay on the streets of towns where people are largely Sunni, Christian or one of Iraq's other minorities. In places, the tensions run high. Coupled with this, ISIS still stage attacks, albeit less often than they once did. Father Ayman Herms, a priest at the St. Joseph Chaldean Catholic Church in Suleymaniyeh, recently told The National about the insecurity felt by many in the community. In general, conditions for Christians in Iraq, and similar to other minorities, are not good, he said. In Mosul and in Nineveh, Christians feel unsafe because they are under threat by militias as well as by ISIS, he said. Some have even accused the militias of trying to do what ISIS started, enforce a demographic change in northern Iraq. With the situation unstable, priests in Baghdad say that new members of their congregation, those who have fled the north, simply can't imagine returning to their homes. The government is unwilling or unable to do much to bring the militias into line, even if technically they do fall under the control of Baghdad and the state is the one paying their salaries. It's some of these same groups that regularly fire rockets at American forces. Sinan, do you think that the Pope's visit will lead to some sort of lasting change for Iraq's Christians? I think we should be realistic about this. We can't see quick results or changes on the ground shortly after the visit. But in my opinion, 
the Pope has somehow paved the way for the Iraqi government and local communities to launch initiatives to protect the fabric of the Iraqi society through addressing the hardships the Christians face. He also has managed to plant hope among Christians and to encourage others to preserve their rights and presence in this country. How the government will proceed, to be honest, it will be hard to predict, given the divisions among the political players and the numerous challenges it faces. But I can say that I count on the civil society, NGOs and activists to raise awareness and to push for these changes by pressuring the government and policymakers. Haider, what do you see as the legacy of this visit? The legacy of that visit is that Pope Francis is the first pope to visit Iraq and the first ever pope to hold a prayer in next to the house of Abraham in the ancient city of Ur. It shows uh, how caring and respectful and generous the Pope is by uh, coming here and setting the light on that situation and on that country that is in, in suffering. One visit from the Pope is unlikely to change the fate of a nation overnight. And while Iraq still faces really tough choices, and there's a huge way still to go to put lives back together, it is a real genuine moment of happiness and of hope for all Iraqis, not just Christians. Haider, what was your standout moment of the four days? My standout moment of the visit was definitely the prayer in Ur because everyone took part of it from every religion, from every ethnicity, from from all around the country. It was like one of the really few moments that you can see the Iraqis united on one platform, uh, agreeing on one prayer to recite and to be there and covering it was was really amazing and and spiritual and i'm glad that i was a part of it Sinan, honestly there were a lot of special moments during this visit that uh, brought me proud and happiness and uh, some of them left me speechless from the proud smile that lit up the pop face to the happiness in the eyes of the christians one of these moments was in, in the town of Parakosh, the largest Christian-dominated town in Nineveh Plains, when the bodyguards grabbed and passed two kids from the crowds, and I think they were newly born babies wrapped with blankets to bless them. For me, um, this was uh, really amazing and um, a special moment. Gareth. The endearing memory for me will be seeing the Pope arrive and his convoy slowly driving down the streets of Karakosh. It was a huge convoy, maybe 50 vehicles. And, you know, it really took its time and he waved to everyone. He, made, he was making eye contact with people in the crowd. It was, it was an incredible image, you know, one that just a few years ago was impossible. And just the fact that he was there, it almost didn't matter what he, what he said or where else he went, but the, the kind of bravery and the symbolism of him going to what is still actually quite a dangerous place um, I think that's going to be remembered, you know, not just by me, but by a lot of Iraqis, whether Christian or Muslim. Thanks this week to Haider Hosseini, Sinan Mahmoud and Gareth Brown, all in Iraq. If you like this episode and want to hear more, head to your podcast app and hit the subscribe button. Something that makes a massive difference is if you can leave us a review while you're there. 
We were produced this week by Aisha Khan and Arthur Edison, and I'm your host, James Haynes-Young.